So, Leslie, did you know that the typical household spends 1500 bucks a year on energy bills? And if you're writing checks this weekend, you sure do know. But Uncle Sam can help you shave up to 450 bucks off your energy costs. So gather up your energy bills and hit MoneyPit.com. Click on Ideas and Tips, then click Estimators and Calculators, and use the Energy Star Home Energy Yardstick to save some bucks on your house. And for answers to any home improvement or home repair questions, give us a call right now. 888-MONEYPIT. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What do you want to do? What do you want to fix? What do you want to tackle? What do you want to move? What do you want to improve? Call us right now, 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, because it's going to be a banner year for home improvement. That's according to the Home Improvement Research Institute for two reasons. First, there is the hurricane rebuilding and high fuel costs. They're leading people to fix up rather than move. Can you believe the price of gas is saying to people, it used to be just they wouldn't take vacations. Now people don't want to move. They don't want to leave their house. They want to stay home and fix it up and enjoy that space. And it just so happens that's a business that we are in. Well, it's true because moving could mean, well, first let's get in the car and go drive somewhere else and take a look at that beautiful neighborhood three hours away. Now it's like, hmm, Let's keep our costs down and look at the neighborhood next door. Nah, let's just stay at home. And fix it up. So call us right now with your home fix-up questions at one 888 888-666-3974, where the advice is always worth twice what you paid for it. That's right. And one caller who we answer their home improvement question on air this hour will win the Weather Channel Storm Tracker Radio, which is going to automatically alert you to any weather threats. It's worth $40, but it could be yours for free. Call us now, one 888 Leslie, who's first? Ron in Alaska's up next. And, Ron, we see here that you're friends with Norm Abrams. So why are you asking us? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate uh, the information you guys give on, on the radio. Uh, I, you know, I, I listen to you primarily when I'm driving home from work. Yeah, my problem is uh, my sheetrock screws are starting to show through the paint. You know, you know they're not working their way out any, or anything, but I can see the dark spots where they're at. And uh, I, my question was, you know, what causes it? Well, I bet you what's happening is there may be moisture and you're probably getting a reaction and perhaps a bit of rust that's forming on those drywall screw heads. And that's kind of showing through. What I would recommend in a situation like that is that you sand off the uh, spackle that's covering it. And then I would use a primer, a bit of kills or something of that nature on top of that spot and spot prime them before you repaint your ceiling or your walls. And that should do it. There must be some reaction between the moisture in the air and the screw that's it's helping that oxidate sort of right through the paint surface itself. Well, when I built a house, it was raining. And so I figured, well, maybe the studs retain some moisture. And, and it's wicking that, through. Yeah. Or it could just be the humidity, Ron. It may not necessarily be a leak of that nature. And certainly the water that got in the house when it was raining would have, um, you know, assuming your house is a few years old now, would have evaporated out. But I think that's probably what you're seeing. And I think some primer in those areas where it's really starting to show is going to solve that. Okay? Okay. Sounds good. And if it works, you pass that tip on to Norm, okay? 
Okay, will do. <laughs> Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You know, he owes us a visit on the show. We've talked to, uh, we've talked to Tommy. We had Kevin O'Connor on. I think we need to get Norm on next. Stephen Kansas is next, who finds the money pit on KFRM. And what's going on in your house? Well, I'm finishing up on an exterior of a ranch-style home, and I've got an area where I, I did some ICF work, and, um, but I'm, I joined it with a, a gable that is made out of uh, wood frame. And that's the nice thing about ICFs. We're talking, of course, about insulated concrete form construction. And even though it's a concrete foam form, you can put it against very traditional architecture and have it work. Well, the question I have for you on that is uh, we're going to be doing cultured stone on the front of this gable. And is there any type of material I need to use to cover that uh, plywood exterior before we go on there with the uh, lab work and the cultured stone? Oh, like some sort of Tyvek paper to sort of just protect it from any moisture wicking through. Right, right. Well, Steve, when you're doing this work, make sure that whatever you have for your sheathing, whether it's plywood, however you've built your home, that you cover it with some sort of protective barrier like a Tyvek paper or even tar paper. And then you can go ahead and put your mortar and then the cultured stone. And that should protect everything for years to come. And enjoy your new house. I love that cultured stone look. It's just gorgeous. And what's cool about that is it really works with any kinds of construction. If it's wood frame, if it's ICF, which is insulated concrete form or even concrete block, it goes up very, very well. It's consistent. And it's just gorgeous. Mandy in Alabama finds the money pit on WRJM, and you've got a shower question. What's going on? Um, my husband and I remodeled a bathroom ourselves, and we installed a new shower and fixtures and everything. And when you turn the bathtub portion on, the shower part drips, um, even you know without turning it on for just the shower. If you get it beyond a certain pressure point, you know, like if you turn it on strong, mm-hmm. it drips, and it's very annoying. <laughs> When you're trying to bathe your children, you get a shower at the same time. Sounds like a valve problem. Yeah, it sounds like the diverter has gone bad on that shower. It's basically a valve that controls the flow between the faucet and the shower head, and that valve has is leaking on you, and you need a new diverter. Okay, because this was a brand new set, and we bought it ourselves. And well, then I would go it, out so. and I would go out and take it back to the store if it's not working. It sounds so to me diverter. like it's not. It's, it's the diverter's not working properly. Definitely should not be allowing water to pass up to the shower head. So check the diverter. And my husband wanted to ask another very quick plumbing question. Okay, sure. Um, our two-year-old, at some point, stuffed something down the toilet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Same bathroom. He, we've tried, you know, every time we use the bathroom in any capacity, we have to plunge it. And it's very slow to drain. And he was wanting to know, does this sound like something that is like a do-it-yourself thing? Or should we try to get somebody professional in? We're probably going to have to take the toilet completely off. Well, Mandy, you know, being a home improvement expert, I feel your pain. Because one time I had a toilet back up in my house before, I think it was before my daughter's christening. So the next morning before we go to church, I go outside because I knew, because I am a home improvement expert, that the cause was the clogged uh, waste pipe that was going out to the street. I had a big willow tree, and I was absolutely convinced that that was the problem with the toilet. So I dug a big hole in the yard before church that morning, and I, I found the pipe, and I broke the pipe open, and I snaked it one way, and I staked it the other way. And that didn't do it. So finally, out of total frustration, with hours to go before the service and the big party when everybody's coming over, I finally figured I had to access this thing from the toilet itself. So I pulled the toilet out, and I snaked it down from the top. And guess what? I couldn't find anything. But as I went to put the toilet back on, I noticed something blue in the bottom of the toilet. Oh, God. Um, What was it? It was a toy phone. (laughs) (laughs) 
it has a toy phone that my son had stuffed into the toilet. Oh. And so that's how much I know. (laughs) (laughs) Turn the valve off, take the toilet off, turn it on its side, carefully drain the water out, and, you know, look from the bottom, look for the top. If it's obstructed, you're going to find it. It's not that hard to do. And then put a new wax, put a new wax seal on. That's the whole reason we remodel and we've got two bathrooms now, but we're basically down to using just one way of company. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> well, great. So take the diverter on the shower and then just look for objects, which we know are in there. That's right. <laughs> remember, there's nothing supposed to be blue inside of a toilet, okay? <laughs> okay. All okay. right. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mandy. Thanks for calling one eight 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 money pit Gary in Tennessee listens to the Money Pit on the Discovery Radio Network, and you've got something going on with your kitchen faucet. Tell us about it. That's right. Uh, the problem is I have diminished pressure at the kitchen, kitchen faucet. All the other taps in the house have got, you know, an adequate water flow. But in the kitchen, when you turn it on, either hot or cold, it's just uh, kind of windy. Gary, have you removed the aerator from the tip of the faucet and checked for obstructions behind it? Um, we recently remodeled the kitchen, so from day one. So I guess you've not unscrewed that little cap at the end of the faucet, is that correct? No. Nope. Okay. Well, when you remodel the kitchen, did you do new plumbing work at the same time? Yes. Very often what happens is you get little pieces of solder that end up inside the copper pipes, and as soon as you turn the water on, they advance themselves towards that aerator at the tip of the faucet. So this could actually be a fairly simple fix. What I want you to do is to go to that kitchen faucet and unscrew the tip of it, unscrew the aerator. Inside, you'll see a series of uh, screens and washers. Take them apart and put them in a line one after another after another. So you put them back exactly the same way. The same order. Don't ask me why I know to do this, but (laughs) it can get very confusing. But take them apart and put them in a specific order so that you can actually clean them one at a time. You may find pieces of solder or pieces of grit that are inside, but the fact that you have all of the faucets in the house that are really strong except for this one means it absolutely has to be the aerator or if by some chance it's not that, then you need to check the valves that are feeding that. But that should be a very, very simple fix, Gary, one that will have you uh, have that pressure restored in no time. Gary, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, if you're thinking about moving to a new home, you know the three most important things to consider, location, location, and location. But if you're staying put and you're wondering what are the best investments that you can make in terms of remodeling your house, they are kitchens, baths, and landscaping. Yeah, and you might hire an architect to help you with any of your kitchen or bathroom makeovers, but what about using an architect for your yard? Well, it might not be a bad idea. Find out why next. Oh, honey, the heat ruined my hairdo. Not the heat, it's the humidity. My scrapbook, too. These pages are soggy. Not the heat, it's the humidity. But we have central air. I turned it up so high, I'm freezing. Why do I still feel so clammy? Why does everything smell musty in this hot weather? Not the heat, it's the humidity. He's right, it's the humidity that adds to swelter to steamy summer heat. What can you do about it? Remove it with an April Air whole home dehumidifier. April Air, fresh ideas for indoor air. Visit AprilAir.com. Table saw. 18-volt drill driver. Eight-piece combo kit. You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With RYOBI, you can actually afford them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. And they sound really good, too. RYOBI. Exclusively at the Home Depot. Hello, I'm Rob Petterkevich, Executive Director of the American Society of Home Inspectors. Homeownership rates in the United States are at an all-time high. But did you know the average cost of a home is now more than $260,000? 
If you're in the process of buying or selling a home, then you know how overwhelming this experience can be. It's also one of the biggest financial investments you'll ever make. So it's important to have your home thoroughly inspected by a qualified professional before you make your final purchase decision. In addition to checking for structural problems, the inspection should cover all the important systems as well. And an inspection is not just for prospective buyers. It's a good idea to have your home inspected before you put it up for sale. Older homes should be inspected every 10 years. New homes, as well as townhouses and condominiums, should be carefully examined too. This can help protect your investment and prevent potential problems. For more information, please visit ashy.org. A public service message from the American Society of Home Inspectors. portion of the Money Pit was brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. Well, if you're thinking about working outside, you may not think you need an architect, but you know what? There's a very specialized kind of an architect. In fact, one that I have personally used the services of, and that's a landscape architect. Landscape architects are very good, especially when you're doing a lot of work, because they can help you design a unique, very eye-pleasing outdoor, from trees and shrubs to the perfect complement for your deck or entryway. These pros can show you the tricks of the trade to add beauty and convenience and value to your home. Well, if you're thinking about doing some yard work at your house, what landscape improvements might bring the best return on your investment? Is it a sprinkler system or is it a water feature? We'll find out in our next e-newsletter, which is free, folks, and it shows up every Friday in your inbox. So sign up now at moneypit.com. And if you call now, one caller on the program this hour is going to win the Weather Channel Storm Tracker by Vector. It's a weather alert radio and flashlight all in one worth 40 bucks. So call now, one money pit Leslie, who's next? James in Tennessee finds the Money Pit on WNWS. And what can we do for you? Well, my main question is, have y'all heard about the BioSeal, which is the foam insulation? Like a blown-in insulation? Well, actually, it's not blown in. They spray it in and it expands, and then they come in and they shave it off to where it's Oh, yeah. Even. Mm-hmm. I've seen that done, and I've seen it done with good results. It's an expandable foam uh, insulation. Basically, Leslie, they spray it into the house before the drywall's up. They spray it on the studs, and so it expands to fill the oh, it's stud it's like a bay. giant great stuff. Yeah, it's like giant cans of great stuff, exactly. And then they saw it off flat, and they trim it off, and then they put the drywall on top of it. How does that affect wiring and plumbing and... Well, you got to have that all done ahead of time, obviously. But think about it. Once it's in, it really does a great job of sealing up all of the gaps. And I'm sure it would make for an extremely energy-efficient house, James. Is it more efficient than, you know, your, your conventional insulation? I think it would be more efficient than fiberglass insulation. It would also do a better job of sealing up the frame. I think you're going to get a much tighter house with a product like that. Plus, it now, probably doesn't condense over time like a foam, like the... Settle, um, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't settle. Right. We're building a house right now, and that was being presented to us. And my question to you all was, would it be beneficial to do it in the long run because it is a substantial amount of cost to it? It's about 1800 to $2,500, depending on whether you spray the roof deck or the ceiling deck. 
I have a feeling that for the extra two grand, it's going to be worth it. Well, plus also think over time in the future, as the fiberglass insulation does settle, you're going to have to replace that or add to it. So there's additional costs to that as well. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of benefit. And you know what? You're in a good space right now, James, because the house is being built and it's wide open and you can only do this once. That's right. I think it's a real good idea. Well, that was my question and I appreciate it. All right, James, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. 888-666-3974. You know, Leslie, um, a lot of people are gun-shy about foam insulations because years ago, I mean many years ago, the early 80s, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a type of foam insulation called urea formaldehyde foam insulation. Oh, that sounds basically, bad. Well, what happened was they'd mix these two components together and they'd inject this foam insulation, which would like expand inside the bay's you know, between the drywall and the sheathing and, and do a good job of insulating the wall. The insulation wasn't the issue. The problem was that when it got damp, it would off-gas this urea gas Ooh. and people were allergic to it and they had to move out of their house. Now, Wow, the and there's no way of knowing until that happens. And so many things have an off-gas that I don't think people are even aware of, such as paint. Exactly. But the good news is that uh, that would only happen for five years. So even if you have that right now, if you're living happily in your house, you have nothing to worry about. But that was a big faux pas, that's for sure. And today, you know, the insulations are so much better. You know, we have isoning, we have this biofilm materials, and they're just so much better. And they're so well perfected that I think it's a really good way to get a really airtight house. Now we have Mitch from Texas, who's got a question about a window in a sunroom. What can we do for you? In regard to, uh, we're thinking about adding on a sunroom. Some windows are better than others as far as thermal efficiency. Absolutely. I mean, in a climate like Texas, you want to be very, very careful what kind of glass you put in the sunroom because if you don't have energy-efficient glass, that's going to become such a hot space, you won't be able to use it four or five months of the year. Well, low-E glass seems like a good solution for the space. Absolutely. What you want is Energy Star rated glass that's going to have several components to it, most important of which is what Leslie just mentioned, low E glass. And that stands for low emissivity. And basically what happens with low emissivity glass is the ultraviolet rays of the sun are reflected back out. It's as if the sun is hitting a mirror and that heat doesn't penetrate the glass into the sunroom. The other thing, of course, you want is thermal pane glass. Um, that is glass that's made with two layers of glass with a gas in between. Generally, it's krypton or argon gas. It's a high insulating value to that kind of gas. So if you use low E Energy Star rated windows, then you're still going to be okay. Even though if you do, remember that you also need to consider how much HVAC you might want in that space. Um, it's possible that you may want to add additional air conditioning to cover that. Russell in Ohio finds the money pit on Discovery Radio. What can we do for you? I wonder, I have a problem with my gutters. The board that the gutter is actually attached to is rotting in some places. And I'm wondering, is that something I can do myself and how difficult that is? And is there a special type of uh, like pressure-treated lumber or something I have to use for that? It definitely is a do-it-yourself job. But, Russ, you get a friend, okay? Because Yeah, because it's a big job. Now, as far as the wood that the gutter is attached to, I would not replace that with pressure-treated lumber. I would replace that with a material called AZEK, A-Z-E-K, AZEK. It's okay. extruded polyvinyl chloride. It's extruded PVC, the same PVC that plumbing pipe is made out of, except it looks and it feels and it cuts just like real wood, but it's completely impervious to water. So it'll really stand up. But the AZAC is a really good solution. Now, another trick of the trade is, Russ, when it comes time to putting the gutter back up, don't use the gutter spikes. 
Don't use the nails. Use gutter bolts, gutter lag bolts. They're very long screws, usually square-headed screws that have like a lag bolt end on it. And, it, and that really puts it in tight to the ASAC. And you never have to worry about them loosening or coming off. Thomas in Virginia finds the money pit on WJFK, and you've got a remodeling project at hand. What's going on? I'm looking to make a big hole in a wall is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> okay. right? uh, I guess most remodeling projects start that way. I, I have a wall that has two, two doorways right next to each other, and there's about a foot of wall between the two doors. And what I would like to do is, is to combine those two doorways into one or perhaps even uh, open the doorway uh, wide enough to, to create pocket doors there. And what I'm concerned about, though, is I can't tell if that's a load-bearing wall. So I'm hoping to get a, a rule of thumb on how to figure out if a wall is load-bearing or not. All right. Well, first of all, Tom, how old is your house? It's about 10 years old. Okay. And um, the wall that has these two doors in it, is it parallel to the front and rear wall of the house? Uh, no, it's uh, perpendicular to that. But that's it good. is an external wall. Because or it used to be, anyway. Oh, it is an external wall? Well, it's uh, it's... I believe I'm standing in a new wing to the house. Uh, obviously, I didn't build the house. I bought it uh, the way it is now. So okay. it is not the front or the back wall. It's a side wall, but I believe it used to be external. And then they added a wing on, and that came the room done. What happened to the roof on top of that area? Uh, a new roof was built. Because generally speaking, well, certainly all exterior walls are load-bearing. However, the front and the rear walls are more load-bearing than the end walls. Okay. Because the end walls are only holding the triangular section of the gable roof above it. But the front and the rear walls are taking um, the weight of every roofing rafter. Okay. Does so, it matter if it's a two-story house? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, certainly you're going to have more weight if it's a first-floor wall. Even if it is load-bearing, though, you can rebuild that and make it bigger. And, uh -huh. and by the way, the biggest job you just described was the pocket doors. Because to do the pocket doors, you have to open it up like right. twice the size of the actual door itself because right. you need the space to run in there. But conceptually, here's what happens. You build reinforcing walls next to the wall you're going to take apart, and that stands to hold that wall while you take the take the doorways apart. Mm -hmm. And then after you rebuild those doors with new headers that are going all the way across, you could pull out the temporary walls, and you've basically temporarily supported it while you've created the new header. Is there a rule of thumb for the header in terms of uh, thickness and uh, thickness based on distance covered? Uh, yes, and it has to do with the span tables, and uh -huh. I would recommend that before you do this, you trot on down to your local building official and ask them to pull out the span table and tell you what's acceptable in your part of the country. Okay, but it definitely can be done. If you're not sure, treat it as a load-bearing wall and just rebuild okay. it that way. Well, all of that beautiful exterior trim work certainly says a lot to your home style, but you might only think about it when that exterior trim is starting to crack, rot, or peel. Yeah, but what if you could do something today so you never, ever had to think about that trim rotting, cracking, or peeling again? Well, there is an improvement you can do. We're going to talk about that one next. You live in a money pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Bear from Home, where you can select from over 3,700 paint colors and order samples online for home delivery. For more information, visit bear.com. That's B-E-H-R.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. What are you working on? Call us right now. Let us help you tackle that home improvement project. 
Well, if you're standing outside with the paintbrush in hand and looking at all of this rotten, cracked, nasty trim that's all around your house, here's an improvement you might think about doing. Replace that with composite trim. There's all sorts of architectural trim details that are available today that are not made of wood. They're made of different types of composites, different types of plastics that look so good you would think that there would. There's products like Azac, for example, which is a PVC trim. You would think that PVC is for just plumbing pipes. Well, they actually make trim out of it. And then there's Trex, and there's all kinds of outside products that don't rock, don't peel, don't crack. And once you put them up, you are done. So think about improving the exterior of your house by replacing the old-fashioned wood with some high-tech composites. Now, if you got a high-tech home improvement question, we are here to help you. Call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. Leslie, who's next? We've got Luke in Maine who's got a question about installing a wood stove. What can we do for you, Luke? Um, I only have one chimney in my house, and I'd like to add a wood stove to the same flue that my furnace is on. How safe would that be? Very not safe. <laughs> oh, because they both operate on different chimney systems. Yeah, if this chimney has one flue, as opposed to a chimney that has two flues, um, you could have one chimney with the wood stove on one side and, the, and I presume, gas or oil on the other. But you cannot mix the combustion, so you can't have a, uh, a fireplace or a wood stove using the same flue as your, as your gas-fired or oil-fired or propane-filed furnace. That would be very dangerous. So the other thing to think about is whether or not you might want to put in, say, a direct vent um, fireplace, one that uh, is zero clearance, one that can go against a combustible wall or surface and vent right to the outside, or you can run the vent pipe up the exterior of your house, or you could always build a new chimney, but of course that's the most expensive way. But no, you cannot share the same uh, flue with both a gas combustion and wood combustion at the same time. Now, okay, so I can have my hot water tank with the same... Yes, because that's the same fuel, yes. Okay. You just can't have a wood stove. Okay, great. Luke, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Art in California's got squeaky floors. Tell us about them. It's about the floor. Before it was not squeaking, not until the uh, the carpet was laid, a new carpet. Isn't that the way it always goes? The floors <laughs> are fine until you put the wall to wall carpet down. Then all of a sudden, you find the noise. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's the room underneath the squeaky room? Is it a basement? Is it a finished ceiling below there? Tell us about that. It's the garage. It's the garage. So can you see the floor joist when you go downstairs into the garage? No. Okay. Is it squeaking all over or is it squeaking in one significant spot? Just in one spot. Tom, will a deep scan stud sensor go through carpeting? Yeah, it absolutely will. And once you identify where that floor joist is, what you could actually do in this case is nail through the carpet using a finished nail set at a slight angle. Because what's happening here is you're getting movement between the subfloor and the floor joists. And so if you use a finish nail, you can nail right through the carpet and then set the nail right through the carpet with a nail set. And then sort of grab the nap and pull it back up. And, and you won't be see a, that nail head at all. No, it'll be totally invisible. Oh, okay. You just have to locate where the floor joist is to make sure that you're actually nailing that subfloor into something. Yes, okay. Okay. Hey, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit.
888-666-3974. You could almost hear that light bulb turning on. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just funny that he, he didn't have squeaky problems, so he put the wall-to-wall carpet down, and then all of a sudden he's got a problem. You know, the best way to avoid that is if you are going to put wall-to-wall carpet down... Just with, nail that subfloor to the joist yeah, before. Yeah, nail that sucker down first before you put the carpet down, because, you know, chances are the problem's going to happen after you put it down, or better yet, screw it down using the drywall screws. Then it'll never move, and if it's not going to move, it won't squeak. All right, all you Money Pit listeners, you probably have a resin chair somewhere in your yard right now. Am I right? You know, it's that cheap plastic sort of seating. It's usually white. Yeah, but the problem is they get very grungy looking very, very quickly. So up next, we're going to teach you how to bring them back to their original shine. Money Pit! The walls in your home hold memories, hopes, dreams, and quite possibly mold. You see, traditional drywall has paper on both sides, which combined with moisture can allow conditions that cause mold. That's why more people are insisting on a new paperless drywall called Dens Armor Plus from Georgia Pacific. Unlike conventional paper-faced drywall, Dens Armor Plus has glass mat facings on both sides, and no paper on the surface means one less place for mold to get started. It's that simple and that revolutionary. If you eliminate the paper, you reduce the chances for mold. If you're building or remodeling, stop feeding mold by using Dens Armor Plus. To find out more, go to stopfeedingmold.com or ask about it at your local building supply retailer. This spring, the wet look is in. For outdoor surfaces, that is. New Bear Wet Look Sealer gives surfaces a high-gloss, wet-look finish and protects against moisture, stains, and automotive chemicals. It can be used on interior or exterior pavers, concrete, unglazed tiles, brick, aggregate, natural stone, masonry, and stucco. Find it at the Home Depot or visit Bear, B-E-H-R dot com. And remember, when it comes to stains and finishes, there's good, better, and bare. Somewhere... A guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools lets you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at the Home Depot. That's just beautiful. Hey, Money Pit listeners, want to put some extra green in your wallet and help the planet stay green, too? You can lower your income taxes and your monthly energy bills at the same time. Now's the time to take advantage of new federal income tax credits for some energy efficiency home improvements. Get credit for projects as simple as beefing up insulation or as involved as adding solar power to your home. For a complete list of the tax credits available, visit the Alliance to Save Energy's website at www.ase.org slash tax credits. This portion of the Money Pit is being sponsored by Metal Roofing Alliance. We call metal roofing investment-grade roofing because in your lifetime, a metal roof will save you money and add value to your home. To find a Metal Roofing Alliance contractor or to learn more about investment-grade roofing, visit www.metalroofing.com. 
Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. This is the show that puts improvement right back in home improvement. So call us now with your home fix up questions. All right, Money Pit listeners, if you've got some resin patio furniture, which is looking kind of dingy, you know, maybe you've left them outside a couple summers in a row and they're not as sparkly as they were, here's a couple of things to bring them back to life. If they're lightly soiled or just featuring a little bit of wear and tear, you can use an orange oil. There are so many out there in the supermarket. Take your pick. And a soft cloth. If they're more heavily loved or worn, depending on how long you've had them outside, you can clean them with a rubbing compound. But remember, the main ingredient when you're using the rubbing compound is lots of elbow grease really really work it very well and you should be pretty happy with how it turns out and remember if you want to preserve them and keep them looking as good as you've just gotten all of your resin furniture to look like stack them up and cover up all of those pieces of furniture especially if you know it's going to rain but even if it's not when not in use cover them up and they'll stay looking like new for a long time and as luck would have it we are giving away a product that will help you know when the storm is coming it is the weather channel storm tracker by vector it's a weather alert radio and a flashlight it's worth 40 bucks it's got an automatic alert signal of all hazard warnings and it's got an am fm NOAA weather radio alert a five led flashlight and a cell phone charger built in and it even has a hand crank so if you don't have power you can crank it up and get enough power for it to work it's worth 40 bucks we're gonna give it away to one caller this hour call us now at 1-888-MONEY PIT leslie who's next Bobby in Tennessee, you're an interesting caller. You're a carpenter. Tell us about yourself. Well, I am a female carpenter, have been one for the last 15 to 20 years, and there's not very many of us out there. What's your specialty? Well, a scaffold builder, actually. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does that job have a lot of ups and downs? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, more, more ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, well, as long as you don't come down quickly. So how can we help you, Bobby? Yes, yeah, sir. My question is, I have a well going into my home water well and which contains a lot of lime in our water and my question is what can I do to help prevent lime buildup in the lines going into the house what kind of lines do you have going into the house right now what kind of plumbing lines are they using for that is it a plastic uh, line well, I have a PVC you have a PVC and has lime buildup been a problem in the PVC pipe well my neighbor we have had to take his toilet up and replace it because they had a lot of lime buildup in the toilet itself, in the trap. And in so we trap, have to take his toilet up and replace the toilet. And we're looking at how can we prevent that from happening to us. <laughs> well, I don't think you can prevent it on the supply side unless you put in a, a filtration, a water conditioning system. If you put in a water conditioning system with a filtration unit, you may be able to reduce the amount of particulates inside the water. Um, but, you know, when it's pressurized like that, you, you have to catch it once it gets inside the house. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I was hoping we could be able to prevent it from actually getting in there. I didn't know if we could put an inline filter before it actually gets to the house itself. No, or... you put it right inside the house. Now, um, have you ever had this water tested? Uh, no. Well, that would be a good thing to do because this way you'll know what you're dealing with, and depending on how the water test comes back, you'll know exactly what kind of filtration system to put in. Okay, yeah, because I was looking at possibly putting in an inline filter before it actually came into the house. Well, it doesn't matter where you put it, but generally you're going to want to put it inside the house because this way the equipment's not going to become deteriorated by the outside. Yeah, because right now the shower heads themselves are starting to get lime build up in those. Yeah, well, that, the way to, to deal with that is you take them apart, you soak them in a little vinegar and water. Vinegar and water? Yep, that'll melt that lime deposit right away. Oh, okay. Well, yes, I haven't heard that. This is all new to me because I just moved to Tennessee, and I've never had this problem before. <laughs> 
Well, home improvement is always a new adventure, Bobby. Yes. <laughs> but yes, think of the bright true. side. If you ever want to replace your roof, you could easily build your own scaffold to get up there and do it. <laughs> oh, that is true. And do the work myself, so I'm good to go. There you go, Bobby. <laughs> thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Jim in New Jersey finds the Money Pit on WCTC. How can we help you? I have a question about uh, uh, vinyl siding. I'm in the process of talking to some contractors about uh, putting some vinyl siding on. I've got a couple of uh, conflicting uh, uh, messages from from the uh, contractors, and I was just wondering if uh, you might be able to answer some questions. All right, let's see if we can sort it out. Okay, I've got natural cedar shakes on the house. Uh, uh, The house was built in 69, so I guess that puts it around 37 years old. Uh, Both contractors are going to rip the shakes off, which uh, sounds like a good idea. Uh, They're talking about wrapping it with Tyvek. That's and, good. And then putting uh, a kind of like a blue styrofoam insulation on. All right. Uh, the problem differs. One guy is uh, trying to tell me that a styrofoam bonded to the vinyl is good. Another guy says no. Uh, the, the problem is the first guy I talked to that, that has the bonded uh, siding to the, uh, to the styrofoam, I don't know if it's the same siding that the guy was showing me that says it breaks. So contractor number two is basically saying that contractor number one's product is not going to work because it's defective or it breaks. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Well, look, here's the situation. Um, Siding is usually sold with an option for a a foam backer. I personally don't think that adds that much R-value to the wall structure. If you're removing the cedar shingles and you're putting Tyvek vapor barrier around it, that's great. If you do have siding with a foam backer, it will tend to lay flatter as opposed to being sort of concave. So it does tend to look a little stiffer and a little more like real wood, but it's not going to really add a lot as far as insulation is concerned. So I would make the decision based on looks, not necessarily based on whether or not it was going to be a better insulator. Now, a contractor, too, is telling me that the bonded uh, styrofoam is not good, and he showed me what looks like, uh, uh, looked like a white styrofoam, kind of like uh, turns into pellets as soon as you touch it. Yeah, he's that's telling probably because me moisture is going to break it down. Moisture is not going to break it down. Sunlight will break it down, but sunlight's not going to get to it. That would not be a concern for me. If he left that styrofoam out in the sun for a couple of months, he probably got that demo piece that he's been carrying around with him for, <laughs> you know, for, all, for sure. all these okay. years. I would probably not spend the money on that. I would just have regular plain vinyl siding on top of the foam board on top of the Tyvek. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Sometimes it can be intimidating, Leslie, when you have two competing contractors right like that telling uh, somebody that the other guy's work is bad. Well, also you don't know if contractor two is aware of what contractor one is offering and is just trying to make that offer look bad. Yeah, exactly. And that's another reason when you're doing a home improvement project that's big enough, that's a really good idea to have an independent third party like an architect spec out the entire job. Because this way, you know that when the contractors come in, they're all bidding apples to apples, and you won't have be in the situation that Jim was in trying to figure out who was making the most sense or not. 888-MONEY-PIT is the telephone number, 1-888-666-3974. Matthew in Texas listens to the Money Pit on KGKL, and you've got something that's spilled on your driveway. Tell us about it. Uh, I have a Motorola in my driveway. I'd like to know how do I get rid of it. Well, there's a good trick of the trade for that, and it's called trisodium phosphate. It's TSP. TSP. Okay. It's a great cleaner. You can find it in the paint aisle of your home improvement center. That's where they usually keep it. And you mix it up like a paste. Make it pretty thick and then brush it on that motor oil stain, and you will find that it does a really good job of cleaning up those nasty stains. In some cases, it does such a good job that it's going to be brighter than the, yeah, than the dirty contract. it's going to clean it too well. 
that's around it. And of course, I probably don't need to tell you this, but the quickest way to stop that concrete from getting stained is to catch that motor oil when it's fresh. And you can do that with sawdust or cat litter. But assuming in this case that it's not fresh, it's old, a paste of TSP is probably the best way to go. And it's very inexpensive and it's very easy to do. Okay. And if I use it my, in my garage, can I paint after I use the ESP? Yes, absolutely. Once you're done, it'll wash away. It's very soapy. Dry it really well. Apply a primer, and then you can paint it and fix that leaky uh, oil pan, too, will you, Matt? Sure, sure. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks again for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, folks, if you're looking to spend even more time outdoors, maybe that screened-in porch just isn't cutting it for you. One of our emailers wants to know how to extend the outdoor usage by creating an inexpensive roof. That's next. You live in a money pit. This portion of the Money Pit was brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to aprilair.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by at one eight 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 Money Pit. Also, watching the email stream in from moneypit.com. you got an email question, click on Ask Tom and Leslie, and we will get right to it. Leslie, who's first on the email bag? All right, here's one from the inbox. It's from Madri in Florida who writes, I have a screened-in pool area and would like to add a corrugated plastic roof over the area where we have a set of outdoor wicker furniture. This would give us an extension of the inside to the outside and also help to protect our furniture. My idea is to place the plastic roofing over the screened-in metal bars. I have the idea in my head, but I don't know how to materialize it. Unfortunately, my husband is not very handy. Thanks in advance for your help. I'm a faithful fan of your show. Hmm. Did you say she was in Florida? Yeah. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm not a big fan of plastic roofs. And for her to add a plastic roof to a screened-in enclosure is going to turn into a kite in a storm. That's <laughs> true. You know, really think about it. So I would say that as, as nice as that sounds and as easy as that sounds, it might be okay until you get a bad storm and it can easily you know, get blown around, potentially even be dangerous. So if you want to build a roof, I say build a roof. But I don't think the plastic sheeting is probably the best way to go. What do you think? Well, I wonder, is it easier to install a retractable awning above where the screen and structure starts at the house point so that this way at least... Yeah, that's a much better idea because then you could pull it in in a storm. Yeah, pull it in in a storm. It's safe when it gets a little too hot or the weather's turning a little bit different and you want to protect that furniture, just unroll that awning. And they're not that expensive these days. Yeah, and the plastic roofs are kind of cheesy too. So this will probably bring some more value to your house as well. All right, Michael from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is writing, I have copper gutters and there are a lot of small holes forming in them that let the water run through to the wood underneath. Is there a way I can repair the copper? Well, Michael, you probably could, but the problem is one of the downsides of copper is that it's extremely soft. So when copper is used as a gutter with all the water that runs through it, you get a lot of erosion. And the debris. Yeah, you erode it away. So it's very difficult to even patch 
a copper gutter or a copper downspout because there's really not enough metal there for you to solder to. If you start soldering, what's going to happen is you're going to blow even more holes through it. So I would say no, probably a bad idea of doing any kind of copper patch. If you want to do something temporarily, you can put some asphalt roof cement on the inside. But again, it sounds like these gutters are pretty much on the end of their life cycle. Is it possible at all to put any sort of plastic liner in there? Probably not. When the copper gutters get like that, it's probably time to change them. Prada, Armani, wondering what's in, wondering what's out. Well, not with your clothes, with your gardens. That's the topic of today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. There are ins and outs even when it comes to your exterior spaces. And here are a couple of the ins and outs for 06. In, lived in gardens, out, showplace gardens. Folks are looking for lived in gardens. People are buying outdoor plasma TVs, entertainment tents. All of these things add personal style to your outdoor spaces and really make it look like an exterior room. Fussy gardens are out. Simple elegance is in. Look for pieces that really feature your style. Comfortable space that all suit your exact needs for that space. Small space gardening is in. Colossal gardens are out. That's right, as lot sizes are getting smaller and smaller, people are looking to garden on their patios, decks, rooftops, and even container gardening. In fact, annuals and perennials are now being bred for smaller spaces. And lastly, unsafe gardening is out and green gardening is in. Get your plants off those chemicals and give them a nice holistic lifestyle and they'll be good to you. 888-666-3974. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where Leslie and I are like a pressure washer for your to-do list. Hopefully we've helped you blast away some of those projects today. Call us again, same time, same place, next week. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.